that night the city burnt, and the mother church of the city burnt with her. And yet the tower and the spire still stand, soaring to the sky, and I feel that's an emblem of the eternal majesty and love of God. Greetings. You are tuned into the Miserable Offenders podcast. Pull up a chair and join the conversation as we seek answers to life's big questions, drawing wisdom from the well of traditional Anglican theology. This is a production of the North American Anglican. Welcome to the Miserable Offenders. Uh, We're missing our host, Jesse Nagra, but today we have the venerable Isaac Rayberg and also myself, Archdeacon Andrew Brazier. Isaac, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Glad to be back with you all today. Um, going back into our our Lambeth night. I'm doing it again. 1888. That's good. That's going to be a constant thing as we're in back this one. Back to the future, part two. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Just like last time, it'll be uh, the, the 80s are back. <laughs> Back, you know, in the words of uh, Saint Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do realize that uh, that he is not a uh, Christian there, but <laughs> but um, yeah, we were leaving off on uh, this kind of topic of, of going through uh, Lambeth conferences, and I kind of got us nudging in that direction because, being a nerd that I am, I was like, you know what, I've never read these resolutions before. And I started going back to, to the first conference and kind of working our way through. We haven't done every resolution. If you're uh, first time listening or, or tuning in and think that you missed something, you haven't. We're, we're just we're picking, we're cherry picking for better or for worse. Resolutions that, that we find interesting, that, that speak to our time, uh, or, you know, probably just forgotten gems that are there. So here we are um, back in the 80s in uh, Lambeth Conference 1888. And the one we're going to talk about today is, is Resolution 6, which focuses in on the Sabbath. And uh, Isaac, you have a, a lovely voice. Uh, would you mind kind of reading the, the first section there, and then we kind of talk about how it breaks it up into, into seven, uh, or excuse me, six uh, sections within this resolution? Yeah, yeah. So this is Resolution resolution 6 from Lambeth 1888 um, about, about the observance of Sabbath. So... Um, Resolution 6A, that the principle of religious observance of one day in seven embodied in the fourth commandment is of divine obligation. B, that from, from the time of our Lord's resurrection, the first day of the week was observed by Christians as a day of worship and rest, and under the name of the Lord's Day, gradually succeeded as the great weekly festival of the Christian church to the sacred position of the Sabbath. C, that the observance of the Lord's Day is a day of rest, of worship and of religious teaching has been a priceless blessing in all Christian lands in which it has been maintained. D, that the growing laxity in its observance threatens a great change in its sacred and beneficent character. E, that especially the increasing practice on the part of some of the wealthy and leisurely classes of making Sunday a day of secular amusement is most strongly to be deprecated. And then F, that the most careful regard should be had to the danger of any encroachment upon the rest, which on this day is the right of servants as well as their masters and of the working classes as well as their employers. This is almost kind of quaint when looking back yeah. at it from a 20, 2023 lenses, yeah? 
Yeah, it, it really, you know, kind of is, you know, uh, and I don't say that in, in knocking this resolution. Uh, I like it very much, but it, it comes as a bit of a cultural shock uh, to us living in, in the 21st century. And even if we were in the 1980s, I think it'd still be a cultural shock uh, in the 20th century uh, reading this resolution and seeing, um, you know, how strongly worded it is as an endorsement for taking it a, a true Sabbath, not just merely paying lip service to, oh, yes, it's Sunday, it's the Sabbath. Yeah. And then and, and I think I think things have just gotten worse, um, even even in, in our lifetime, mm-hmm. Andrew. Um, I, I don't I don't know. And I know you're you're in Alabama. I'm in Texas. I've been in Texas since uh, junior high. Yeah. And there was definitely a time when I was younger where um, you had a lot more things closed on Sunday. Um, Wednesday nights, things were often closed early because just the culture was folks were in church. And it didn't mean that everything was closed, but there was a lot more closed. You certainly would not have had high school soccer games and football games and, you know, even junior high and elementary league um, sports games ever happening on a Sunday morning. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like you're, you're making me think back a little bit there because you're absolutely right. You know, um, also being in the South for all my life, although I know Texans, like I've said in other episodes, sometimes kind of (laughs) get offended if you call them the South, but we both have the same cultural, you know, affinity of, of growing up with uh, the blue laws of, you know, you, you couldn't yeah. buy alcohol uh, on Sundays. You couldn't um, go to certain businesses because they'd be closed sometimes by law. And of course, a lot of those got repealed over the years. And now we see it to where not only can you, you know, um, you know, work on Sunday. I mean, that's just common. It's just basically treated as another work day. And um, it's very much just kind of a, another day and I think it's interesting and ironic that we've degraded back to that, you know, pagan early Christian time period in which uh, Sunday was not a Sabbath because Christians were a minority religion, that they were meeting early in the morning, as Justin Martyr and others observed, uh, celebrating the, the resurrection and then going to work and then having to come back together in the evening to do the, the agape love feast or celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're a little bit returning to that to a certain extent. Yeah, and, and we certainly have a, a kind of competition, especially I think about with our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there there's almost this um, to, to really raise your children in church today. You have to make some very hard choices regarding some of their other um, social activities. I, I heard one um one of the ladies that does conferences through TCG, I, it might have been um, Jen Wilkin, but yeah. I, I could be wrong on that. You know, she talked about you know that when the brazen their four kids, they kind they had a principle of um, with with extracurricular activities, you had two options, one or none. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's real easy to to just overload, and that will choke out not just church but family and everything else. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We're like slowly learning that now. Um, you know, with our kids getting to the age where they're involved in activities, I don't see how people do more than one, to be quite, quite honest. It's exhausting. Um, yeah. But in addition to that, you know, we're, we're checking ahead and seeing, like, what are the commitments? When is the recital, the game, you know, practice, et cetera? And it's ridiculous. I've heard about it, you know, for the past, like, 20 years, really, I've heard about it. But now I'm actually seeing it as as a parent that so many different sports and so many different uh, extracurricular activities 
have commitments that will conflict with even Sunday morning. It's not even in Sunday afternoon uh, in which there's an event going along, but it's happening on Sunday morning. And, you know, the world just treats it as a, another day of the week. So it's very much, you know, making it a challenge for the church. And I don't just sit here and lament, you know, like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, but <laughs> we as Christians have really given into it. I mean, there's so many people of faith um, who I encounter like, yeah, you know, we're going to have to go out of town for this, you know, tournament for, for this game, for this, you know, whatever activity it is. And I'm thinking, I'm like, do you have to that? I mean, right, right. <laughs> I think that we just don't have our priorities straight and we need to gut check ourselves as believers. Yeah, I think that's very true. And, and I think this resolution does a really good job of kind of putting the issue into, into proper perspective. I mean, it starts with, Mm-hmm. The principle, you know, Resolution 6A, that the principle of the religious observance of one day and seven embodied in the fourth commandment is of divine obligation. This is something that God has told us to do, yes. um, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of in our um, the, the Office of Instruction <clears throat> in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um we have this question, what is your bounden duty as a member of the church? Mm-hmm. And the answer is my bounden duty is to follow Christ, to worship God every Sunday in his church and to work and pray and give for the spread of the kingdom. And then it goes on to say that the reason why we have confirmation is so that we can help doing these duties. Yes. Part of, part of what confirmation does is help us, help us fulfill our duties as, as Christians. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, absolutely. And, and I think that there's there's two things that pop into my mind as well in terms of like what is our duty that really anchors in on that. And one of those is that with the uh, ACNA, if you're a member of ACNA, with the Constitution uh, and canons that govern both laity and clergy alike, people kind of forget that it also governs uh, laity. But there's a great walkthrough in terms of like what are the responsibilities and the duties of the laity? And I believe it's in Canon 10. I'm cheating right now. I'm trying to find it on the PDF. Yes, it is. It's on Canon 10 of Title I, in case you're curious. And in Section 2, it talks about the duties of the laity. And one of those duties is to regularly uh, attend uh, the services of the church. And when it comes to, you know, that regular attendance, it's not just simply Sunday services. But this, and really this also gets to us as clergy, to, quote, observe the fast and feast of the church set in the Anglican formularies. Well, it's difficult for a lot of churches. Maybe it's not even difficult. There's just a lot of parishes that simply don't recognize and celebrate all the feasts and yeah. all the fasts of the church. So it really demonstrates kind of two different issues. One of them of our, our lack of commitment to make sure that we're faithfully attending uh, Sunday worship and observing the the, sa- the Sabbath by worshiping our Lord and our God. And then also, you know, continuing to worship them, not just for an hour or an hour and a half during the week, but continuing to, to worship them throughout the work week and throughout the, the liturgical calendar, which is a separate issue, but just kind of goes to show our overall laziness as believers. Yeah, and I think just in terms of practicalities, one of the things that we ought to um, start to think about as as ministers and as people that lead different churches, um, you know, in in this Anglican tradition, is how we can um, 
be faithful to to our calendar, be faithful to that cycle of feasts and fast. Um, I heard recently uh, Jonathan Pajot of the Symbolic World. Now he's Eastern Orthodox. He's not okay. Anglican, but um, he uh, he said, you know, okay, for, as a Christian, the church year is your epic. It is your big story. Yeah. Um, you know, we, and we ought to be we ought to be living it. It's it's the story that um, not not just in terms of a duty, but it's actually really good to do so. It's yeah. an alternate to, um, frankly, the really bad story that we often have in in, in wider culture. Um, or or lack of story. And so, you know, what, what's going to work in your individual parish? What's going to work for, for your your uh, your own thing? Um, you know, on, on the one hand, you know, we found that midweek services are, are always going to be pretty. Um, they're not going to be well attended. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you no, know, ten, 10 people on a midweek uh, on a midweek communion is a really good, good turnout. Yeah, um, and and you know in our parish, yeah, we found it doesn't really matter um, whether it's going to be you know noon, first thing in the morning or in the evening. It's always going to be a poor turnout, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, okay, can we equip our people who can't make it because of work and school and all that sort of thing, mm-hmm. or distance or whatever? You know, are are we able to equip them to do some stuff at home, um, mm-hmm. teaching them how to um say anti-communion use the 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 morning and evening prayer um lectionary and collects for the holy days um a resource like the homely hours if you remember them they haven't done a lot lately Mm -hmm. um which kind of gives some um traditions related to these some especially related to family stuff so yes yeah, there, there's there's ways to do it. You just got to get creative these days. Yeah, I think you've always had to get creative. Yes, I, I agree. And Archdeacon, I think you've done a good job of like putting a positive spit on my like negative take of like we're, we're all lazy. But I think that's, <laughs> that's the way to, to answer. <laughs> but I think that, and that includes yours truly who's speaking here. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's a great way of focusing because I'm not ignorant. The reality is like, hey, we are a minority, you know, denomination, you know, in terms of like Anglicanism is not very prominent throughout uh, states. And there's a lot of faithful uh, Anglicans out there and faithful listeners who are driving an hour plus to get to a parish. And so that's just not practical to drive that forward to get to a feast day. And uh, so what can you do, you know? making sure that you're celebrating at home, I think is the excellent way and the excellent alternative. And, you know, I think that's really the, the best way to kind of like be countercultural as a, as a Christian is celebrating this, I don't want to say alternative calendar because it's not alternative to us. It's the life of the church, you know, right. but for so many, even long, um, longstanding Christians and longstanding Anglicans, people have never really fully embraced and celebrated uh, the calendar and not known why. And that is on us as, as clergy that to teach our people, this is how you can celebrate uh, if we're not gathered together as the church, but gathered together as that small cell of the church as the family. So I think that's very good. And I've made us kind of digress in terms of topic to just general worship, but going back to the Sabbath here, you know, one of the things that struck me when I heard you read it um, this time around is that when it talks about the celebration of the Lord's Day, that in Part B of the resolution, it characterizes it as, quote, as a day of worship and rest. And yeah. under the name of the Lord's Day, gradually seceded as the great weekly festival of the Christian church. 
the sacred position of the Sabbath. And and then in, in part C, it also continues that it, it reemphasizes it's a day of rest of worship. So this time it flips it in terms of priority instead of worship and rest, rest and worship and of religious teaching. And it's a priceless blessing in all Christian lands in which it has been maintained. And we just don't really see that anymore. You and me last night were chit chatting with each other and kind of lamenting how we have missed things in our, our youth that was common practice on Sunday. Uh, I mentioned yeah. how I grew up UMC, but uh, really embraced my faith as part of a Southern Baptist church that was still vibrantly doing uh, Sunday school in the morning, then having Sunday worship. We'd all go out together, at least as the youth group, and go eat lunch together and basically hang out. And then we come back to church that evening for evening service. After that, then youth group. And so it was truly a day full of, you know, rest together, of worshiping together and quote of religious teaching and to bring it back into Anglicanism even the classic canons of 1604 talks about how you would have uh, religious instruction catechesis aimed at the youth because it's the established church you know on paper everyone is Christian so you're focused on those who are preparing for confirmation but it was very much built into it. Not to mention that the classic prayer books uh, presumed by rubric that you're doing the morning office, you're doing the litany, you're doing Holy Communion or anti-communion, and then you're doing that catechesis and evening prayer to wrap up Sunday. Yeah, I remember reading in some of the um, early early um, American Episcopalian communities that that, 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 was, that was a lot more common. You know, you would... Uh, you know, and it, it, we're talking kind of village contexts, you know, yeah, so, so right. things are a lot more more hyper local than any of us deal with now. But, OK, you might you know, you, you'll have a pretty long um, Sunday morning service. You know, folks will break for lunch. They'll come back for for instruction of the youth and then have an early evening evening prayer service. Um, you know, we I, I was reminded when I first read about that, you know, I, I spent most of my teens and 20s in the Messianic Jewish movement. Yeah. Which um, there's there's definitely some very strong Sabbatarian uh, uh, tendencies in that world. But um, a, a group that I occasionally would drive up to, to Austin. So it's a solid, you know, hour and a half away. But they did that very well, kind of in a in a, in a home congregation setup. There would be, you know, the 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 main service about ten. Um, those that wanted to would stick around for lunch, and everybody it was it was kind of always a potluck. You know, the hosts would um, would would make really good use of their uh, slow cookers or 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 a gazpacho and other really hearty but cold soups. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd 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 you know, kind of break down the the um, the, the the worship setup, bring back out the tables. Everybody who wanted to and could would stick around to eat. Then we'd study the Torah, and then um, by the and if it was summer, we'd include Pirkei Avot, which is a um, a traditional uh, uh, Jewish custom in the summer when the days are really long. Yeah. And at sundown, we'd close we'd close the Sabbath together. Um, it was a it was a really good time. It was a yeah. long day, but it was always a very good and restful day. Some mm -hmm. folks would just kind of leave and go take a walk for a while, and you know, not everybody could stick around. But yeah, but those but but it was a really blessed time, mm -hmm. and and kind of in another similar you know back here a bit closer to home, when when we were all in college and and single, 
um, the the youth leaders, a, a young couple, would have a bunch of us singles over, mm-hmm. um, and we would study and you know usually bring some some uh, slow cooker stuff um, to uh, you know just just spend the Sabbath not being caught up in what the world wants us to be caught up in. It was a real blessed time. That's wonderful, you know. Like and to me, it just it it sounds thrilling. <laughs> it's something that that I honestly missed is that, you know, that fellowship of, of people being together like that, uh, loving, learning, and serving the Lord together. And I don't want this to sound like, you know, curmudgeon I mean, I think it already does, but I think for <laughs> us, <laughs> you know, who are living in this uh, strange new world, uh, as Carl Truman tells us, I just finished that book, by the way. So if there's a plug for, if you want to read a good book, I do encourage it. Um, on my wish list. It's just really good. It's phenomenal. And so what I encourage is that after I read his last chapter on that, it got me to thinking, and he makes a couple of ties. He mentions Roger, and um, he doesn't mention the Benedict option, but he mentions how Dreher has been engaging this project as well. I'm like, what what do we do? Now now what? And it seems to me that one way that we could Benedict op in terms of like fostering and creating fellowship is if you're part of a, of a parish is finding like-minded families who are local and close and making sure to be intentional about celebrating the Sabbath, you know, working with uh, your parish church on what can we do? You know, if we don't have an evening prayer on Sunday, then to be committed, saying, hey, we, we've got three or four families here who are committed to, to joining together. If you've already got youth group meeting on Sunday evenings, you know, building that in as a component. Hey, we as parents, you know, the whole family will attend, you know, an hour before. I mean, you don't need that long for for evening prayer, but we'll attend beforehand that will flow into uh, the youth group. And it could be a great way of developing relationships, true fellowship, and really growing the church in terms of our discipleship with one another. And I think that's something that, that really is hit upon in this resolution six, which presumes a society in which things are starting to get lax, but it's not like what we are now, where they are lax, they are ignored. And they point out in this resolution six, how in in section D, the growing laxity, so there you hear it's a growing laxity, where we're in a true lax state, but the growing laxity in its observance threatens a great change in its sacred and beneficent character. And that's something that I feel very strongly about that we miss and we don't realize, especially in the American context, what is sacred, what is to be set apart, what is to give God what is his own. And I think this is a good way for us to kind of wrestle with that, you know, within the local church context for those who are traveling far away. As you mentioned, you know, Archdeacon Isaac, get making it intentional within the family group and perhaps inviting other family members you know, who are attending other churches to come and join you in that fellowship. That's the beauty of, of doing evening prayer or even doing the shortened office of family prayer is getting together a group of like-minded believers and just recognizing that this is the Lord's day and not making it merely a, a day of, of play and disregarding really the focus of the Sabbath, which is something else they complain about in section E, that especially the increasing practice on the part of some of the wealthy and leisurely classes of making Sunday a day of secular amusement most strongly to be deprecated. And that's what we're seeing today, I think. I think a lot of Christians think of, well, Sunday is just the rest of my my weekend. I go to church, you know, maybe I go to Sunday school or something of that nature, and then I just do what I want to. And it's like, well, 
you're resting, but it's not an intentional rest with a focus on the Lord. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and um, it's interesting that in um, E, uh, 6E, they point out that this is a tendency at their time of the wealthy and leisurely classes. And then mm-hmm. in F, they point out that the um, the rest is the right of servants as well as the masters, the working classes as well as their employers. Yeah. Um, and I think those things very much go together. Um, you know, I, I think of, you know, within their own time and context, I think of Anthony Trollope's uh, Barchester Chronicles, which if you haven't read that, they're public domain. They're awesome. You can probably get it on audiobook from your local library. Um, beautiful stuff. But there's uh, among the kind of low churchmen in this fictional cathedral town, there's this real strong Sabbatarian tendency. Yeah. But there's this kind of side remark that for their servants, it's the opposite. Like it's their hardest day of the work of the week, um, which which is which is a shame. And and I, and I must admit that sometimes, you know, I I have heard from people that work in like as wait as wait staff. Yeah. That the Sunday afternoon and early evening time is often their least favorite time uh-huh. because of dealing with folks that just left church to go out to eat and are just rude and grumpy yep. and don't treat them well and don't yeah. tip well, you, you which, just which to me is such an, yeah. a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember they're seeing this on display and, and, uh, kind of fighting with, uh, <laughs> some friends back in my postulancy over yeah. this very issue. I'm like, look, I know, I know that you weren't happy, but you know, this is this part of this is is being a witness. You know, don't don't yeah. insist on your rights here. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you hit exactly what I was thinking about there. Uh, bring up the section F, and I was thinking the same thing of you know how much you know pretty much everyone I know you know goes out to eat afterwards, going to a restaurant. I've heard it once, I've heard it twice, I've heard it a million times from wait staff you know who are our friends that like. <laughs> you Christians can be the worst tippers. You know, like yeah, you know, I'm calm. I can tell you, you've got like a a bulletin or some paraphernalia kids has something from Sunday school. So I can tell you're coming from church and the way you treat us is just rude. You're impatient because you're hungry, et cetera. And that really says a lot about, you know, did we just completely forget where we left, you know, the worship of the Lord. And we're not even, you know, being grateful to those who are actually working on the Sabbath. You know, there's a huge disconnect there. Yeah. And more than that, I think it's also, you know, quite sad that we've gone from Sunday being a day of rest, regardless of your belief system of where I remember being as a kid, like most gas stations, at least in our area, were closed. They weren't open. So if you yeah. travel on Sunday, you're taking a bit of a risk. You know, you better fill up and not just assume I'll find a gas station at the next exit. You may or may not. Um, but now so many people uh, are working in the service industry on Sundays. It's another work day. And that brings up another thing for us to think about, maybe comment on. For the Christian who's, you know, like, I would love to have Sunday off but I just don't have it off, you know, like what am I supposed to do? And I think that's something that we need to be creative in thinking about of, of offering. That's where the, the daily offices coming into play really help out because if you're working on a week to week schedule and you don't know when that off day is going to come, you know, like it, it'd be wonderful that if your parish can to have a public service of, um, of the daily office so that if someone's missing out on Sunday, they can still come and worship with the gathering even though it'll be fewer people or in the case of feast days and uh, 
of celebrating feast day coming together and celebrating that feast hey i can't make it sunday because i'm working but you know this tuesday there's a feast day and i'm off that day so i can show yeah. up then. Yeah, we've got a family at the parish who uh, one of the parents is a young doctor or a young, young family and, and, you know, young doctor, um, you know, and in, on a um, ER doctor, actually. And so weekends are often not a thing um, yeah. for them. And uh, they, they one of the reasons why I have kept that very official Wednesday night even song, which mm-hmm. sometimes is terribly attended. Yeah. Um, is because for 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 this family and for a few other people, that might be their only chance to attend worship the week, um, and and often is for for some of these folks. Um, now that doesn't mean that they're always there every Wednesday, and that's all right. But um, for the sake of that possibility, I just really felt convicted that we ought to keep it open, um, regardless. You know, as opposed to, you know, only having Wednesday night the big Wednesday night service when we're also doing the big class and potluck a few times a year, you know, when we know it's going to have a huge turnout. Well, you know, uh, (laughs) as, as, uh, as God said to Abraham for this, for the sake of the 10, you know, (laughs) for the sake sake of the 10, what's up? Yeah. So, yeah. And and I, I do find myself um, wondering, you know, just as, you know, we, we do often go out to eat after church or hit the drive through or whatever. I do find myself sometimes wondering, okay, am, am I robbing somebody of their right to rest mm-hmm. because of, you know, feed, feeding into the society? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the other, the other end of that coin is of course, that there's a lot of folks for whom, you know, that weekend weight job or grocery job or whatever is essential for feeding their them and their yeah. family. We all hear about the side hustle, but I mean, like for so many people, it's not a side, really. I mean, it's part of making, you know, ends meet in this yeah. day and age. Uh, you and me both, you know, are, are bivocational, you know. And, yeah. Um, and so it, we can, I've, I've really, you know, like talked a lot about, you know, what can we do, you know, what should we be doing? But the finger comes right back to me because, you know, part of a, a small church and uh, holding down uh, two different jobs makes it difficult to have those celebrations but i think that i would like to be encouraging that if you're in that situation to reach out to uh your rector reach out to um those who are within your church and say hey you know you may not realize this you may not be thinking about this but the reason why you only see me once in a blue moon on a sunday is because you know i'm working in a career where that's just not a possibility. And so what can I do? Have those discussions and, and try to, to figure out scenarios and situations that make it where they're not missing worship, that perhaps there's a, another day of the week in which the daily offices can be utilized, uh, making sure to celebrate the feasts. And there's quite a number of parishes that you know I've just seen on their websites, they'll offer a weekday Eucharist as just part of their their normative practice and typically wednesday you know maybe at noon and you can tell that they're really trying to to help out those who are in the middle of a work day or perhaps wednesdays are off day and they can slide out during uh, the lunch period uh to to come and celebrate uh the eucharist which i think is a great way of of helping out and reaching out but there's not a one size fits all and i would definitely encourage those who are um who, who are fortunate enough to be full-time, full-time minister, full-time priest, 
um, and, and have their own building, not not borrowing, not renting. Mm-hmm. You actually have access to to the house of worship every day. You're you're not having to juggle juggle a different day job. Maybe you even have some support staff as well. Um, think about these. Think think about what God has blessed you with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and how how you can be a blessing to your community, even if it seems sometimes the payoffs aren't, you know, the in terms of attendance and whatnot might not be um, what, what what you'd like. Mm-hmm. And and the other the other you know kind of kind of following up on that. Um, I think it would be good for for those of us who do have our own buildings to start thinking about maybe ways we can show more more Sabbath type <laughs> hospitality on Sundays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- I think that's going to look different for everybody, but there's I think and it's going to and there's and it's not it's not something you can just turn on. I mean, there's a little bit of work yeah. you have to do, but it, but I think it, it'd be worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, this this is I think is like a good conversation that we should kind of like probably revisit like down the road, you know, like maybe, you know, I don't know, like a quarter from now or like half a year from now, because it's gotten me thinking as well, just having this conversation with your Deacon on, you know, what, what does it look like for us? You know, what, what could we possibly uh, do? And I mean, here's a suggestion. Uh, I don't think, you know, this would really be something that would help my current uh, church plan, but you never know until you ask around. But maybe another idea or suggestion is, you know, reaching out to those who are working on Sunday and saying, hey, here's a couple of things we could do. But there may be just a handful of people who are in that category. And yeah. so many churches will will have uh, an early morning service, maybe even throwing that out of like, look, it would be a sacrifice, but if you're going in at eight o'clock, what if we had a seven a.m. service? And that's a sacrifice as well for um, the you know priest who's going in early. But then again, it's it's Sunday, you know, it's our call, you know, it's it's part of the blessing of our ministry, and that may be an avenue of where you're gathering those who otherwise would not be able to worship. They're able to worship uh, early morning, and again, it harkens back to what we see in the early church in terms of, you know, gathering together, you know, at daybreak, of course, wrapping together the fact that this is when Christ uh, is risen and also helping serve another purpose for those who are engaged in employment on Sunday. So any uh, final parting thoughts there, Archdeacon Isaac? No, I think this was a, this is a good, good discussion. You know, both of us were mentioning before we started this, that um, we, uh, you know, kind of some of the nuances of historic Anglican Sabbatarianism isn't really our our, our expertise, but mm-hmm. um, I think nevertheless, <laughs> there's 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 just naturally good things as we think about these issues. So yeah, um, those of you all that may have a bit more expertise, uh, weigh in in the comments. Let let us let yeah. us know what you think. We'd uh, we we'd love to be uh, schooled from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the first to, to admit, like I, I'm not as well educated on this that my personal uh, practices for the Sabbath have changed a lot, uh, really in the past few years, uh, but even over the past like a couple of decades, and would welcome you to just kind of continue this conversation as we really wrestle with it in our own context and hearing, you know, from others, you know, hey, what's working for you, you know, out there? Uh, what's happening in terms of the local level? And what are the concerns? What are the things that pop up with, with others uh, for items that we didn't touch base. You know, we, we try to hit it all on people who are traveling, you know, like far distance because 
there's not an Anglican church in every town out there, or for those who are just simply working, every Sunday is a work day. So what am I supposed to do? What am I going to do? Much less those of us who are blessed to have Sunday off who are able to to take that Sabbath, but are maybe failing to to take that Sabbath rest. So interested to hear as well, and uh, really appreciate this conversation, uh, Archdeacon. All right. Well, we will see you all next time in a couple of weeks. God bless. Take care. Bye. It was the spirit of our forefathers that built that grand building. I believe that that spirit is with us still and will help us to, to rebuild it one day when we've served and suffered a while, a little longer. Build it again to the, to the glory of, of Jesus Christ. Miserable Offenders is a production of the North American Anglican. Learn more at N-O-R-T-H-A-M Anglican.com.